0: Welcome to Hockey Night in New York, where Islanders hockey is always top shelf. Whether you got your start as a dynasty veteran, a Millbury survivor, or you were born into the Church of Trots, Hockey Night in New York is your home for all things Isles. Now, here are your eclectic hosts, Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Hockey Night in New York. Welcome to the program, everyone. It is Sunday November 14th, 2021, coming at you live from the Hockey Night New York studios on Long Island. A very special show coming up for you tonight. Christian Arnold with an exclusive interview with Islanders co-owner John Ledecky. Can't wait to present that for you later. Good stuff going on. UBS Arena is opening in just six short days. A lot going on here. My name is Sean Cuthbert. With me as always is that... Christian Arnold. Christian, how are you?
1: I'm good, co-host. How are you? <laughs> I'm well, co-host. Good to see you. What's going on, bud? Well, you know, same old, same old, Johnny. A lot yeah. to talk about this week, obviously. Plenty to
0: talk about. Excitement is in the air, despite the unfortunate result of the one game the Islanders had this past week. But we're going to get into that. There's plenty to talk about, like you said. So, folks... Want to remind you that we are happy to be presented by RJ Daniels American Bar and Grill, located at 279A Sunrise Highway and Rockville Center. It is the best place to catch the aisles when you can't be at the game. Head on down for great food and drink specials, plenty of HD TVs, and in game sound. Also happy to be sponsored by Blue Line Deli and Bagels, located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, an official partner of the New York Islanders, and coming Saturday to the UBS Arena. Check out the menu at BlueLineDeli.com for all their great offerings. And of course, happy to be sponsored by Thai Technology, a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country. If you're tired of dealing with long hold times and the impersonal service of companies like Spectrum, Optimum, and Verizon, give Thai Technology a call at 516-856-7800 for three free months of service. And of course, very happy to be sponsored by Oyster Bay Brewing Company, creator of the Barn Rocker Session Ale, coming Saturday to 12 locations at the Islander's brand new home in UBS Arena and even more distributors, distributors across the country from coast to coast. You can also visit the Tap Room at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay seven days a week to sample all their fantastic beverages. And, of course, the brand-new segment that we started last week, Questions Brewing, so folks, get your questions in so we can answer them later during that wonderful segment. And so, Christian, the Islanders dropped a rough one to the Devils on Thursday. Four to nothing. It wasn't close. They tried. It didn't work out. The only game of the week. But the good news is the brand new stable opens up on Saturday. What do you say, CA?
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say it wasn't close. It was close for about 40 minutes or so, and then, and then the doors kind of got blown open by the, the Devils final score. in the, in the, the third period. Score. Yeah, um, It's been a rough couple games. I mean, the inconsistencies that the Islanders have had in their game have become a big problem. Um, to the point where Barry Trotz has been moving things around and shaking things up. He's not been shy about talking about how he's need to see he needs to see more out of out of a lot of the guys in the in the locker room right now, and including today when he was talking to a I should say yesterday when he was talking to reporters that he said, you know, he can't even look and say that they have about eighty percent of the guys going. They just don't, uh, mm. which is a big problem for the Islanders right yeah. now. And and there certainly is a lot of concern now with with the Islanders team that's again, above NHL 500, which is a good thing. They have a winning record, which is obviously mm-hmm. a good thing, but certainly sure. the tie can change with two ga- two big important games coming up against the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Florida Panthers. Now, granted, Tampa Bay has not been as, I guess, deadly or however you want to characterize them mm-hmm. as, li- as they had been last year, but it seems every team that's made the pl- a deep playoff run has kind of gone through that this season, but still shouldn't be discounted. And of course, the Florida Panthers, despite losing, I think, their last three straight games or something like that, they're still a very hot team in the Eastern Conference and a, a top team in this league right now and one that I mean, we talked about before the start of the season was going to give Tampa Bay a run for their money in that division. They certainly have lived up to that billing so yep. far and they're a tough test as well in the, the second game of that back to back. So right now the Islanders have two very important games coming up. They can return uh, for their, their first couple home games of the year. Finally on November 20th, the opening of UBS arena, which is going to be a, a big moment for, for the Islander fans, for the team or the organization, for the community. Uh, and really for the region uh, on a much broader scale. Right. But at the same time, from a hockey perspective, the Islanders really need to pick up a couple wins here because they just haven't looked like the New York Islanders. They, they need, they, they've needed to, as I sound like Sean trying to say, dis- distribution before. I did, I did struggle, yes. yes. So <laughs> it, it's certainly right now two very important games because they need the points. They, you know They can't continue this stretch where... Inconsistencies are getting bailed out by really good goaltending because against teams like Florida, against teams like Tampa Bay, you're just not going to get away with that,
0: right? And as a result, they're five, four, and two. They're they're currently in the basement of the Metro. But look, going back to kind of what we were talking about last week, if you look at the grand scheme, 13 game road trip to open the season, they're above 500 through the bulk of it, and now they have two more games to decide if they end up above 500, right at 500, and if things don't go well, just below. But I think they're more or less in that area where this ends up, at, the, at worst, an acceptable road trip to start the season, and at best, satisfactory. Right? You can go 6-5, you can go you 6-4-2 know, at the end of it, you can go 6-5-2 or something like that, whatever the case may be, math. But <laughs> the bottom line is they're hovering right around 500, which at the beginning of it we said more or less where you want to be at least at the end of it. Now, would it be great if they went 10-3? and three? Of course. But look. It's a tough grind. They're getting these games out of the way. They're obviously going to pick pick this up with some home games towards the, the latter part of the season, which is great. So at the very least, they're going to be breathing by the time this is over. The, the, the question is how well they're breathing by the time they're leaving Florida on Tuesday.
1: Right. I, I mean, I think the other thing to look at, at, too, is I know when people have been talking about this online, there have been a number of people to point out that the Islanders haven't played any home games yet. Of obviously, course. they're much better at home, but I think what people are somewhat forgetting is in this, whole, in this whole rigmarole is the fact that, yes, the Islanders are going to be playing some home games, but how much of a home field is it going to be for them for the first four or five games at UBS Arena when yeah they haven't played there yet? They haven't touched the ice there. Now, I mm. know, I, I think from my understanding, the plan is for the team to, to try and practice there at some point. Right. um. Will that happen? You know, we don't know. Uh, you know, I think that'll be largely dependent on the construction schedule that's been going on. Obviously, they're still putting putting the finishing touches on the on the arena in certain aspects of it, and I'm sure that'll play a factor into it. We all know that there is a charity concert the night before at UBS Arena, so the ice right. will be down. The concert will be set up probably that Thursday or Friday, and mm-hmm. so it probably eliminates the opportunity to really get any practice time in that that Thursday or that Friday, the day right before the game. And then the question is, do they have their morning skate at UBS Arena or will they continue to do it like they have at, at Northwell Health Ice Center in, in East Meadow? Right. So they're, they're coming home, and they're going to be playing in front of their fans, and, and that was a big boost, too, on Thursday when they were playing New Jersey because there were a lot of Islander fans in the crowd of right. about 13,000 and change at, at Prudential Center for that mm-hmm. game. But, you know, that probably, at least from a, from an ice perspective and from a – you know, kind of knowing the rink a little bit more, that might feel a little bit more like a home game than their first couple at UBS, just because they're still going to be working out some of the kinks when it comes to the way the puck bounces, the way um, certain things are, their feel for the arena, um, you know, even just trying to find certain aspects or, or luxury items, I guess you'd call them, or or just some of the day-to-day stuff that they'd be accustomed to at NASA Coliseum or even when they were at Barclays Center. So I think there is going to be that that feeling out period too, and it shouldn't just necessarily be thought that they come back to a home arena, per se. And, um, you know, there aren't going to be some challenges. They're going to immediately be able to repeat sort of that, that the circumstances they had in the past.
0: Yeah, look, as far as the, I suppose if you call it the behind-the-scenes stuff, like getting used to the locker room and the layout and the ice and the boards and all that stuff, yeah, sure, that's going to take some time to getting used to. But it's not going to take any time for the fans to show them where they are. Right, I mean, but it's going to be pandemonium in that place. I, that, People have been waiting decades for this. And no. <laughs> it's going to sound like a playoff game in there, at least for Saturday.
1: I, no, I certainly understand that. Yeah. But I think there is a little more to it than just Fans being loud and, and people cheering for for the team on the, sure. on the flip side. So I, I think that's an aspect that maybe people need to understand a little bit more, especially okay. going into this. Um, I'm not saying it to put down any any idea or anything. You have a like very that,
0: conservative point of view with this. No, yeah. but I,
1: I just think when you look at the way the team's playing right now, I, you know, I'm looking at the chat and uh, Thomas Panic obviously very very included in what's going on inside the <laughs> inside the locker room and all that. But um, you know, kind of pointing out it must be hard for. It must be hard for players to stay focused on the next two games, next two challenging games with the UBS down down the line. I don't know. I think I I think from a player's perspective, their focus is on on these next two games, and they're not allowing themselves to get caught up in some of the hoopla with, with opening a new building, I mean, there's plenty of excitement. i sure Barry but I, has them focused. But I think there's also sort of that alright, we, we just want to get that over with as well. Like, sure. I think they're tired of answering the same questions over and over again about the the excitement level and have you seen right. this from UBS and that right. um, you know, from the media and, and all that and the storylines. And I, I think too they know the importance of these these two games coming up because yeah. um, they obviously hold significance with the Islanders playing in Tampa Bay for the first time since Game 7 last year. Mm-hmm. They know the significance of needing to pick up four points over the next two games. At the very least, three points, because um they've kind of put themselves in a spot where they Sean's right. You're right, Sean. They they've gotten themselves off to a decent start on the road, you know, over NHL five hundred. Um, you know, it's not like they're they're in the basement of the Metropolitan Division, but it's not as though they're twenty points back in the basement. It's because everybody's started. winning in that right. division right now. And so the law of averages says that and not every team that's winning right now is going to sustain that for an 82-game yes, we've, season. We, yes, but we talked about that, yeah. I think right now, especially early on, where the Islanders tend to bank a lot of points and, and kind of go on those runs, this is where those early season points came in handy last year, where they would go on. I think it was November. Um, not November, obviously, but it was earlier in early in that shortened season last season mm-hmm. that that's when they started to pick up all those points. They had a rocky couple starts a couple games in the start of the season, and then things started to shift a little bit. So this is kind of where that shift usually tends to happen for Barry Trotz and his team. But um, so these games are important. Yeah, and I haven't looked ahead at, like,
0: all the games coming up and how they're paced out, but I think they're going to get a little more normal because not only have they been on the road, it's going to be 13 games, but also just the way the games have been paced, right? They play a game, they're off for three or four days, play another game, off another four days. There's no rhythm you can get into. And now they play these back-to-backs tomorrow and Tuesday, and they're off for another three days, Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, sorry, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, before they play Saturday, Sunday, back-to-back. So... It's, it's The pacing has been very strange. So once this break is over, hopefully do they not only get home, but hopefully you just see more of a, a regular schedule where maybe they you know, they play a night, they're off a night, play again, maybe get a back-to-back after that, whatever the case may be. But it's just been all over the place. So I'm sure that could play a role into it too. And that's not to make any excuses for the team and say they'd be more <laughs> successful if they had shorter breaks or whatever the case may be. But it's just been a strange you know, set of games since this season started for them. So it'll be good to just finally exhale on this long road trip, and then the remaining games in the season will feel, feel more like a full regular season where they're on the road sometimes, they're home sometimes, and they get into that normal groove. Yeah. So hopefully that'll help them out. But yeah, look, as far as I go, I mean, you talk about they must take three out of four points here. As far as I go, if they split these two games, I'm okay. If um, they split them, I'm all right.
1: Just to just to go back to the schedule point of view, after, after this... Sort of three day break they'll have following the back to backs they'll basically basically be playing every other night good um for the next couple weeks from um, the the UBS home opener on November twentieth uh they'll play a back to back there they have two days off and then they have the Ranger game against the uh, Thanksgiving Eve at UBS Arena the following the game they have the Pittsburgh Penguins the day after Thanksgiving day off Rangers the Garden day off Philadelphia day off and then they have basically games. Every other day after that, um, so it, it, the Islanders are getting back to after after this very bizarre start to the season. They are getting back to a much more traditional schedule, albeit a much more compacted schedule now. With basically games every other day, they don't have a de- they don't have another two day break really until December eleventh. They play the Devils on a Saturday, and then they have two days in between their next game, which would be December fourteenth against the Philadelphia Red Wings. There you the go. and regard- Detroit Red Wings. Okay. And they, regardless of how these next two games
0: go, they're going to have a fighting chance to move their way up the standings. When the schedule normalizes. they start playing some home games. So let's see how these two games go. They're going to be all right, all right either way. And then we get to christen the brand new home Saturday at UBS Arena. But Christian, why don't we break for your special interview with John Ledecky?
1: All right, let's do that.
0: Folks, want to thank you all for tuning in to twitch.tv/slash hockey night ny and on the podcast providers later on. Thank you so much. We're gonna take a break.
2: It's a new islander season and you've got a great spot to catch all the action. RJ Daniels, American Barn Grill in Rockville Center. Inside the bar or the heated outdoor patio, you won't miss any of the excitement on their wall-to-wall big screen TVs and in-game sound. Enjoy it all with delicious food drinks, and plenty of specials in a lively atmosphere staffed by the friendliest folks around. RJ Daniels is in the heart of Rockwell Center at 279A Sunrise Highway, just steps from the train station. So come on down. Watch the boys in blue and orange continue their quest for Lord Stanley with your fellow Islander diehards. And when the game's not on, stop by for a great meal and a great time seven days a week. Hang for the late night bar scene or book a party or catering for any occasion. Call 516-536-6258 to make reservations and go to rjdaniels.com to check out the menu. R.J. Daniels American Bar and Grill, your home for New York Islanders hockey.
1: country you'll get a live representative that had a personal hand in building your account so islander fans if your business is looking for a change from companies like spectrum verizon or optimum thai technology is offering three free months of service for any of its affordable packages just call 516-856-7800 that's 516-856-7800 or visit them on the web at tietechnology.com that's tie t-i-e technology.com thai technology the right choice for your internet phone service
0: Hope you enjoyed the ads. Now let's get back to Hockey Night in New York with Sean Cuthbert and Christian Arnold. Welcome back to the program, ladies and gentlemen. It is now time for On the Line, brought to you by Tide Technology. And of course, time for Christian Arnold's special interview with the great John Ledecky, Islanders co-owner. So folks, once again, enjoy. We
1: will be right back. Chris Arnold here from Hockey Night in New York with me for the special guest for this episode, John Ledecky, the co-owner of the New York Islanders. John, thank you so much for the time. How are you?
3: It's great to be with a celebrity. I love your MSG advertisements on our, our games.
1: <laughs> well, I'm glad someone other than my family and my, my dog have seen it. So <laughs> I have to ask you, we're standing in UBS Arena right now. We're just days away from the opening of this building. Uh, seeing everything that's been accomplished so far and, and how close you are to the finish line with this, just what kind of emotions are you feeling standing here right now? Uh, The emotions are
3: wonderful ones for our fans, right? Our fans have deserved a new home for so long. And here it is, UBS Arena at Belmont Park. It's a spectacular place, and folks are going to have a wonderful time. And we've incorporated all the great elements of the Nassau Coliseum without the hassles, right? So 93-foot ceiling here and 90-foot ceiling at the Nassau Coliseum no longer will you have a 25-minute wait to get a cold Frankfurter. no longer will you have to wait 20 minutes to use a bathroom we have more women's bathrooms than any arena in north america and that's just those are broad brushes but everything down to the seat and the comfort we're competing with folks watching the games on tv at home so we've got to give them a reason to get off the couch and come down here and i think we have done that with this great building
1: Obviously, with all these new amenities, what is your personal favorite that you're looking forward to to trying the first night?
3: Yeah, I think what's great about our building is that it's so inclusive. Um, The fact that you can go to any of the Heineken bars and you don't have to have a special ticket. The fact that you can go outside and enjoy the paddock at Belmont and have something to eat and have a drink. Uh, If it's a nice night, that's a wonderful uh, amenity for a regular fan. And as you know, to me, I love being with the fans. So we have a very nice owner's box. I don't know how much time I'm going to spend in it because I want to be there with the fans. I want to be at the tailgate bar, which is awesome, where you can stand in like an English Premier Football League uh, game. You can stand and watch the team play and have a drink. I want to see all the different elements come together for the fans' benefit. They've waited so long for a great building, and now they have one.
1: You mentioned you talked a lot about the fans here. You talked a lot about fans during the tour and and taking some of the media around. I I have to point out, uh, obviously, the addition of Offside Tavern to the roster of amenities, Blue Line Deli's inclusion. How much did it mean and how important was it for you to include those sort of local staples now that have become such a big part of Islander fans' lifestyle?
3: I think that's part of being at home, right? We we are the second home for an Islanders fan. They have their own place that they live in, but we want them to feel like this is their second home. Some cases, a vacation home. Um, And so those local touches are so important to us. The Blue Line Deli is fantastic. The Offside tavern struggled during the pandemic. Now they get a second lease on life. And, you know, you combine that with things like today with uh, Shaq O'Neal, and big chicken. That was the delicious sandwich. So you have all these different foods coming together in the marketplace. We have grab and go. We have all these amenities. And I think um, it's great to be able to think about a building that remembers its roots. So the building itself, instead of being a spaceship, like so many new buildings, it really is an homage to New York, right? You've got the entrance looks like Grand Central Terminal. You've got the bars that look like the King Cole bar. You've got the elements of being able to see the skyline of New York. It's just a great building.
1: Obviously, the fans were in mind, but obviously the team is in mind. And this is probably the first time since 1972 that the Islanders have had a building that's built specifically for them. How important was it for you to include Barry Trotz and Lou Morello and the players in this whole process of, of building a, a place that feels like their home?
3: Well, it's an incredible campus. And Lou and Barry and the team had input in this 23,000-square-foot facility for them. Um, I know it's ready to go, and I know it's great because Lula Morella wants no one going back there anymore, <laughs> which is a great sign. It means that we're ready to go for next week's game. Um, but really, having that feedback from the players and including the players in meetings in the beginning, we showed them sketches and diagrams and what would be good for you and how would you like to get to the building and what do you want inside and what kind of design should we have in detroit they had to change the locker room because they made a lot of design mistakes and so it's great to learn from the other buildings what works and doesn't work and then have lou and barry with such great experience in the you know 70 plus years together in the national hockey league being able to help guide us in the back of house is really terrific
1: and uh, opening night a couple days away now, what is in store that Islander fans can look forward to once the doors open for on October,
3: on November 20th? Yeah, I think it's going to be a special night. Um, of course, the first game is always special. But I think we have a lot of surprises planned, and I think we have a lot of things that go to the tradition of the Islanders. And that's the great thing. We have a tradition. I think it's great that Seattle's now playing in the National Hockey League, but the only thing they could put into their rafters was a seven representing the seven 7th man and the 32 representing the 32nd team, we've got an incredible rich history hanging in the rafters and I think having a lot of those folks come back, hopefully they'll be there, many of them on opening night, um, and to share a round of applause, and the fans really should applaud themselves because it was the fans input, walking around, talking to them for three years, meeting three to five hundred fans a night, getting their input on what works, and the great thing, as you know, Christian, is Islander fans Every single one has an opinion, right? Yeah. You get that on your podcast all the time, right? It doesn't matter what it is, a player, the, the steak, the hamburger's cold, whatever it is, <laughs> the pizza doesn't taste good, they let you know. And I love that about our fans. They're not shy. And I think that's why this building is going to be so great, because we took all their input and we built the building. But what makes the building even better moving forward is I am sure Islander fans will have a lot of input for me as I walk around saying, Mr. Ledecki, you need to fix this. Mr. Ledecky, I almost bumped into the exit sign. Mr. Ledecky, we want bigger televisions. I'm ready for it. And I take it with great grace and love, because I know they love the team. And every time they give us input, it's because they love the team.
1: Now I have to ask you, since I have you here, the team 5-3-2 five, uh, five, to start the season through the first 10 games, what's your overall impression on the New York Islanders' start to the season so far? I think it's great. I think any
3: time a team starts 13 games on the road, mm-hmm. it can be difficult. You know, when they were rebuilding Madison Square Garden, the Rangers started on the road a number of games, and they went to the, semi, the Stanley Cup Finals that year. So you never know, but I think in the fans' minds, getting off to a quick start, a good start, was important. I think Lou and Barry and the team is doing exactly that. What's been your
1: biggest uh, excitement point, I guess I could say, for the product? Who's been your favorite player to watch so far?
3: Oh, you know what? That's like asking which one is your favorite (laughs) child. I think that uh, all the guys are a team. And the great thing about it is Matt Martin once said, we have each other's backs. And I think that's what makes the team. And you see the folks who are signing long-term contracts here, and they're signing them because they really want to stay on the island, and they love the island. And who thought... Seven years ago when we first started that, the New York Islanders would now be a number one destination for free agents. People want to come and play here. And the great thing about Lou Lamorello, for your listeners, is here's a guy who could have built a visitor's locker room that stunk. Instead, he built a really good visitor's locker room because those guys are going to come in and say, wow, this is a heck of a building. I hope one day I can be a New York Islander. So to go from that to the envy of the league, you know, to the envy of the players, New York Islander players now are puffing their chests out saying, we've got the best building in the National Hockey League. Pretty cool.
1: Last question for you. Prediction for the the home opener for the Islanders, Calgary and the Islanders, what's the final score going to be and who's winning?
3: Well, my only prediction is that the puck will drop sometime (laughs) between 7 and 7.30 and it's going to be a great match and it's going to be a lot of emotion in the building. And I think the players will feed off that emotion. They'll feed off that noise. Remember, they've been on the road for 13 games. They have not heard those home cheers. So the combination of your first game in a new building and 18,000 people roaring with delight at the fact that you're taking the ice, it's going to give everybody goosebumps. I mean, I'm talking to you right now, I'm getting goosebumps. So I can only imagine what it's going to feel like when they sing the national anthem and, um, and that puck drops. It's going to be a very special time, Christian, and I'm glad you're going to be here. John Ledecky, co-owner of the New York
1: Islanders, really do appreciate your time for joining us right now.
3: And thanks for doing a great podcast. I enjoy <laughs> listening and I learn a lot. And that's not hard to do with you guys because you're, you and your co-host are terrific.
0: And ladies and gentlemen, that was the great John Ledecky with Hockey Night New York's own <laughs> Christian Arnold. I am co-host. This is <laughs> Christian Arnold. So that was On the Line, a special presentation of On the Line brought to you by Thai Technology.
1: Christian, let's talk a little bit more about it. Yeah. Yeah, uh well, so when you put that in there, I think you cut off the part where he said where you and your co-host. Oh, I didn't cut anything off. It had everything in there. Uh, but I got a kick out of that. That, well, but, but again, but now we know <laughs> we know who the star of the show is. So right. Okay, we, obviously, of course, we can put that. We can put that to bed as far as who who the I real. I think the jury's still out on that. Who the real? I think the jury's still out. Backbone so, of this, this production is so by the way, anyone who's been listening so far, feel free to shoot in your questions yes. for questions brewing, which we do uh, now every week with our friends from Oyster Bay Brewing Company, That's right. drop your questions into the chat, Sean, and I will answer them later on in the program. Donnie Bagel's obviously speaking some, yeah, some yeah, truth yeah, down there. Yeah, CA yeah. the real host. We, uh, thank you, Donnie. Appreciate Christian, that. Christian,
0: I'll give you some credit. You did a great job with the interview. Thank you. Well done. And uh, happy to present that for you guys here at Hockey Night in New York. So, Christian, you were obviously there Thursday, a lot of hoopla going on. You had Shaquille O'Neal in the building. Right. You had uh, minor, small, local celebrity Donnie Bagels in the building (laughs) for a great presentation with, obviously, Shaq Shop, and then you get Big Chicken, right? And then you have Blue Line Deli and Bagels.
1: Both going to be featured in well, UBS they collab- Arena. They collabed on a sandwich. Yes,
0: yes. What do you think about the sandwich that
1: they got coming out? Sandwich was delicious, and it's not just you had it. Yeah, is yeah, that right? Not just because Donny Bagels a sneak and Blue preview? Line Del- Deli sponsors the podcast, so, but it was a phenomenal, phenomenal sandwich. You got the Blue Line Orange and Blue Bagel. It's a uh, 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 well, uh, wow orange and blue bagel yes from Blue Line Deli yes with the chicken I think it's hot sauce and then there's cream, cream cheese, cheese. On, which is a, which is interesting because right. you think like if you're not a big cream like cheese person well I think it's just cream cheese maybe a little I forget what it was but um yeah. it was good it was great <laughs> um, okay All but right. you but what I was getting at is if, if you're not a big cream cheese person and I think I kind of was like I don't know if I'm gonna like this because. Cream cheese, chicken sandwich. It, it just seemed like, all right, it's going to be a little weird. But actually, it, And it was. It Was it buffalo chicken? Yeah, it, it was, was spicy. So yeah. buffalo chicken was But cream it mixed. Cheese. It, it never mixed really that. well. It mixed really well. Okay.
0: T Boyle 13 wants to know how tall Shaq is. He's tall. He's tall, confirmed. <laughs>
1: he's a confirmed. big man. Oh. Yeah, well, there's, there's a, a there's a great picture somewhere of of him and Donnie standing next to each just other. Just <laughs> about to bring that <laughs> and up. If you, and if you, I mean Donnie's Donnie's not, not a short man, right? So I mean he's like he's, six one. He's towering over. He's he towering Donnie. dwarfed
0: Donnie Bagels. Um, he made him look like a very very short man, which we know isn't true. But that right. just goes the to only, show
1: you what a large man Shaquille O'Neal is. The only person I think who could look somewhat sizable next to Shaquille O'Neal is probably Zdeno Chara, but that's about it. And I
0: think a photo exists, Isn't that wasn't there like a photo flying around the shack with oh, I have no with Daniel Char. I thought I saw something on the on the Twitterverse with the two of them together. But yeah, he's probably the only guy in the hockey world that has a chance of of being any any <laughs> any bit close to Shaquille right. O'Neal's height, but but yeah, I mean that must have been cool, right? You had you had a lot of media there, a lot of attention there and and it's great to see everything going on with, you know, I mean, we're so close and we're getting a I guess we're getting an idea of what sort of food offerings they're going to have there, and and what's going to be available. Did they go into any further detail on on how they're going to be running it? I know this this word that there's going to be a lot of like pick up and go and order from the there app. Was, there and was stuff a like
1: lot that. of the focus of the event was a lot of the the Shaquille O'Neal chicken, you know, chicken company. Um, I forget what the name of that company is actually called, but his stand coming it's big chicken, big chicken coming to UBS big Arena, chicken. and that was really the primary focus. On obviously John Ledecky talking about the. Islanders, the new arena, and, and kind of you know some of the quotes that came out in separate from our, our, our exclusive interview that we did with John Niedecki here on the podcast, but mm-hmm. he spoke to the media and, and about you know expecting some hiccups in the first few games. He you know he's going to be out in the parking lot helping with traffic and making sure people are getting in and out of the building you know relatively seamlessly. It, it'll be interesting because I know they've had the issues with the parking situation right now. Obviously the the this um, complaint that was filed with both New York State. And the yeah, I saw uh, that. Um, I forget what the other agency is, but mm-hmm. um, about the number of handicapped parking spots that haven't been right. Released. Sean, I know you're actually a season ticket holder. I don't think they've Correct. really released any information to you about the parking situation, um, let alone us in the media. Actually, yes. Oh, so, so maybe you can, you can I, fill us in there a little bit more then.
0: Yes, so there are a few different parking options, and not all of them are available to everyone. So I spoke on the show already that the parking garage isn't going to be ready till right, March. Yes. And I think that's going to cause, ai don't know how much chaos, but I imagine it's going to make things a little more dicey with people trying to get to the game. If you're driving, if they don't have a multi-tiered parking garage available, which they intended to. Right. So if you are a premium seat holder, like a suite owner, or perhaps some of the club seating like right. the Hyundai Club or
1: something like that, they have Diamond Parking, and I think Silver
0: was the other lot.
1: Diamond are, is the one right next to the arena, right? And I think that was part of the Diamond and Silver
0: are basically right there where the arena is. Right. Essentially next to the arena. That's where the complaints were coming from for the for the handicap parking, right. where there weren't enough the spots of, there. The lack so, of, of
1: accessible parking there. Right,
0: right. So as far as uh, the rest of us go, we'll say – they had two lots available. One was the Emerald lot, mm-hmm. which is on the same side of the turnpike, but it's on the other side of the track. So it's either a very long walk or you're taking a shuttle. Right. Okay. Then there's the south lot, which is on the opposite side of Hempstead Turnpike, but it's closer. It's a short walk across the turnpike, mm-hmm. but both of those, those lots are only accessible by the Cross Island Parkway. You cannot get to either one of them from Hempstead, Hempstead Turnpike interesting yes you have to t- and there's separate exits i believe there's a separate exit for each one now somebody in the chat can correct me if i'm wrong but i'm pretty sure this is exactly how it- i know for a fact you mm-hmm. can't get to either one from the cross island and okay. i'm pretty certain that it's two different exits depending on which one you're going to so the south lot's closer than the emerald lot so even though it's across the turnpike it's still closer to the actual building like mm-hmm. it's a it's a short walk right. That one you don't have right. to worry about a shuttle So, yeah, parking's not going to be perfect, it sounds like, right to start off, especially if more people are driving than taking the train. Now, obviously, we know that one side of the brand new Elmont station will be functional, and that I imagine will help alleviate it, but it all depends on who decides to actually hop on a train. Now, if we still got a lot of people coming from the east hopping in their cars, there may be a parking situation. My advice, and this is... I think I'm going to take this advice yeah. myself. <laughs> get is there early. Get to the games early to ensure yourself getting a parking spot. Now, who knows? Maybe these lots are gigantic, and they're still going to have enough space for you. That I don't know. That I can't tell you. But the fact that again, that whole garage is not going to be available tells me that maybe it could end up being a problem. We'll see. We'll see. I, I imagine that's something that wasn't expanded upon on Thursday, and I don't think it has been. Generally speaking. But they did have a map. They show you where the lots are Mm -hmm. in relation to the arena and whatnot. And, yeah, like I said, that emerald lot, you're walking around the track, essentially, just to get to the building. So, you know, on a cold January day, not not sure how ideal that's going to be. So you're probably going to want to have to jump in one of those shuttles and who knows how often they're running. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting. So I imagine the first few months at UBS – May not be perfect, but who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us, and and everything goes as smooth as possible.
1: Yeah, that was essentially the message from John Ledecky during some of those media availabilities, which was: "This is, you know, there's there's things that are going to be. It's a process, right? And that things are going to be have to are going to have to be kind of hammered out. And you know, he was he was he said that." to the group of reporters that showed up for the event uh, the shaquille o'neal event they were also doing a veterans event john john ledecky was showing uh, a group of veterans around the building and giving them a tour of the construction site and shaquille o'neal met with them kind of surprised them and they were presented with islander jersey and and all this um these very nice gestures from the islanders organization during veterans day and he had said that look you know, it's you know, bear with us. We know that's going to be a process, and there's yeah. going to be some things to, to hammer out. And I think that's the expectation with any new arena. Um, you know, of course. even some of the some of the stuff that you saw that was under construction that we were able to see during the during the walkthrough. Um, it's cosmetic, but certainly you kind of go: oh, is is this stuff going to be ready? Is it not going to be ready? But again, from my understanding as well, and talking with other people, that Prudential Center kind of went through a similar thing mm-hmm. when it was opening. That you know, weeks before the, they were still. Gunning away at construction and um, there were things that didn't look like they'd be ready for opening night and they were op- ready for opening night. I, I think that when the building opens, and I think we've talked about this with other people, and um, just the sense that even you've gotten from when from your tours through the building right. as a season ticket holder has been that it'll be ready. Not everything's going to be ready on opening night, it seems like, but it will be ready for... To host the New York Islanders, the, those first couple nights. Yeah,
0: and I imagine that's not something they were going to go out of their way to to let people know. But there wasn't any sort of talk of any specific thing like, okay, this is going to be blocked off or sectioned off, or mm-hmm. this isn't going to. be... I mean, did they say anything along those lines? You know, where you know this might be might not be available, or that might not be available, or it's just a general, we're going to be good to go. Something's may not be here
1: well that was just the sense i'm getting from okay. kind of what's what we've heard from a, a bunch of but no places. formal there was no again they, they they're 24 hours seven days a week you know yeah. everyone's on all hands on deck um you know Ledecky had the had the 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 quote that went around on on, th- on what was that thursday you know about a tim liwicky saying you know don't wear nice clothes the last two days before the arena opens because you're on you're on garbage duty um, to cl- help clean up. So I, I think this is going to come right down to the wire with with stuff getting hammered away and 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 ready and, and ready to go. But like I said, I think that the expectation I have, not from any sort of official word, but um, is that the every it'll be ready to go on on November twentieth. But it won't be a I, I'm not every amenity might not be available that first couple that first game or two. Okay, because remember they have the the pair of back to back games before um they have the, what it's two days off i said after that mm-hmm. so um not everything might be ready but they will they will be ready to go on november 20th they have no other choice right. you know? the puck will drop the game will be played and hopefully a
0: good majority of whatever the building has to offer will be available
1: yeah but it's fans. gonna it's gonna look fantastic yeah I mean, you've, yeah you know everyone who's who's walked through it has hasn't seen it and um you know it's going to be really really nice building and f- like i said in the interview with with Ledecky first time in since 1972 that the Oilers are going to have an arena that's specifically built for them right. and and kind of tailored to to hockey right and and when you look at it again
0: the fact that they're able to have the building up and running essentially maybe a month month and a half after a, a normal season would have started after what was it like 2 3 months of a delay mm-hmm. due to the pandemic the fact that they're still able to get it done you know, in that period of time, is still good, and that's really the main culprit behind why this why this thing is opening late, and they had to start out on the road to begin with. But look, it's going to be here six more days. We're going to be there on Saturday. It's going to be amazing. I can't
1: wait. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it'll be. I, I thought You're there right? was something more after that. No, um, no, it'll be exciting to kind of <laughs> to kind of take that next step in in an Islanders history and and see the building and see the team open open this place that we've seen talked about so many times before. And heard so much about just to get to this point. I mean, you know, I, I think for the reporters that have covered the team um, and have kind of seen a lot of the intimations of, of attempts to get a new building for the team between the Lighthouse, between uh, and the fans who have who've, who've lived through this day in and day out, um, you know, the Lighthouse, the referendum, Barclays Center, returned from Barclays Center, Nassau Coliseum, and, you know, everything in between. And to finally, to finally put this to bed and um, – be a destination for, for players especially with a new venue it, it's it's gonna be nice to see that chapter finally open for 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 the Islanders and um, in this next phase of, of their team's history
0: right and not only that but as you mentioned in the interview offside tavern making an appearance at UBS Arena. That has fans very excited. That's pretty awesome. Spent some time there as well, and it was a great spot. And, you know, everybody was pulling for Nick and Offside to not only, you know, maintain their their footing there in Manhattan, which unfortunately didn't work out due to, you know, some very obvious and unfortunate reasons. But it's great that the Islanders have reached out into the community, not only the Blue Line Deli, but now seeing it here with with Offside Tavern mm-hmm. and getting them their own spot in the building was just amazing. I mean, the fact that, look, you have a bar, that you're dedicating to your favorite team. Right. And now it ends up in the actual
1: building. I mean,
0: pretty damn amazing.
1: Yeah. I think as they've talked about a lot with highlighting some of these local amenities, it's, it's, and, and I asked the about that. It was, um, you know, it was, it was important for them to include that and, and kind of bring those sort of comforts of home into the building for the fan base. And, um, you know, it's the Islanders and, and their fans are have a very unique and special relationship, it seems like, compared to a lot of other teams, not only in, in this particular sport, but also, I think, of all the four major sports. Um, you know, there seems to be a true recognition on both sides of the impact that the other has on 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 everyone. So bring, being able to add some of those elements, like Blue Line Deli, for instance, like Offside Tavern, um, I, it just seemed... Critical and important for them to have those features in there to bring more comforts of home for Islander fans into the building.
0: Yeah, well, look, the offside And make
1: it feel like they're they're as much as it's their home as much as it is the the players and management's home.
0: Yeah, and I give the Islanders a lot of credit for that because look, the offside tavern bar where that ends up inside the bar, I think I think it's going to be on the uh, the upper level, and somebody can. Maybe, maybe Nick can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it's in the upper level. But that just could have been another Heineken bar. That could have been the Heineken light bar, the Amstel light bar, or whatever you know uh, beer company that they have under their umbrella at Heineken, right? And that could have just been more dollars in the Islanders' coffers. So to dedicate a bar to a local Islander fan's creation, calling it the Offside Tavern, I think is is a credit to, to ownership for for going that route. Same with the Line Deli. That could have just been... Another big chicken or Carl Juniors or whatever, right? They could have stuck anybody in there. Not a lot of of arenas that have Carl Juniors. I understand the center. Just right. I mean, whatever. Nathan's. I mean, you know, didn't Barclays have Nathan's in there, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Nathan hot dogs. Yeah. Exactly. My point is, is that they could have went more corporate, but they went with the local guys, which is fantastic.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, there. uh, One of the things Ledecky also talked about during that tour was the inclusion um and kind of making everyone feel at home and that was why not to not to spout some of the talking points that they've they've been pushing over the last couple months but Mm -hmm. um you know, there's a ton of open bars that that everyone can go to compared to some of those other arenas in the area or major yes. new major venues where those are exclusively for sort of suite holders or something like that. So mm-hmm. that seemed like an important element that they were focusing on. Now, I'm sure too there were there were other motivations behind that. Um, sure, and I'm sure you know finance finances come into it, and I'm sure when you break down the economics, there's a benefit to opening up a lot of these club and bar areas for fans because. You drive more revenue than just holding them exclusively for suite holders, and mm-hmm. um, you know all that. So, I'm sure there's a financial reason behind it too. Not to not to make it out sound like they're saints and they're doing this for all Right,
0: their, Yeah, but, for sure. Know,
1: um, and there's it, a reason
0: why most buildings in, in, in sports now are named after a, a corporate company, right. and not just the Nassau Coliseum or Madison Square Garden
1: or Joe Louis Arena. That right. those days are gone. But, um, but certainly it's, it's a nice element that I think a lot of Islander fans are going to appreciate and enjoy. And I think, too, what, what has always made games at Nassau Coliseum and, and games for the Islanders at home more special um, than other teams in the area or, or other, other, even other teams in, in the sport mm-hmm. uh, has been the, the element of, of the building doesn't have a lot of flash to it. Mm-hmm. So the game, it, when you go to a sporting event now, it's the it's an it's events based around the sport. Like you go, you can go to a baseball game and you can have a couple drinks and you know you will go sit at the you know the the club seat somewhere or one of the mm-hmm. bars in the stadium and, and drink and not really pay attention to the game or whatever. Nassau Coliseum, the Islanders really didn't weren't afforded a lot of that because there weren't a lot of frills at the Nassau Coliseum. So as you mm-hmm. go going to the game and you're going to watch the game and i think they've managed to kind of add a little bit more flash and, and pizzazz to an islanders game turning it a little bit more into an event but without losing that element at least we'll see for now mm-hmm. without at least losing that element of the ga- you're going to watch the game and you, you know everything is centered around the game
0: was there anything mentioned about space being made for a vehicle to be on display at UBS Arena?
1: <laughs> I think um, I think the days of, the, uh, of any sort the of SUV? Car, car being placed in the corner of the, of the rink is, is, is long gone, thankfully. I mean, why didn't they let people sit in the car? <laughs> I mean, I mean that was a-, a
0: missed opportunity, man. <laughs> I mean, they had better seats than most people in the building. So saw seats more, in the saw more Jeez. than most people in the yeah building. at least those days are gone yeah so, no more no more s u v taking up like sixty possible seats in the building, <laughs> no more off center scoreboard a lot of lot of improvements, a lot of good things so u b s arena folks six days away I cannot believe it it's gonna take a long time to sink in, but here we are folks less than a week away, the islanders in their brand new permanent home built for the New York islanders, yeah. We'll see what happens yeah. next week. It'll be exciting. All right, so let's swing it back to the team that's going to be playing on the UBS Arena ice. We started talking a little bit about the game against the New Jersey Devils. It didn't go so well, but one guy who finally got back into action was Semyon Varlamov. He takes the loss in his first outing back. How did he look to you?
1: Yeah, I thought he looked good. Um, you know, he gets back in there against the Minnesota Wild, and um, I thought he played, he played well. He didn't really miss a beat. I think that right now Ilya Ily Sorokin is the hotter hand at the moment, but sure. you know there wasn't really for all the talk of rust that you know everyone. He looked was good in the first of, period. He looked really good in the yeah. first period, and it didn't look like there was a ton of rust to shake off. Mm-hmm. Now the team didn't show up in front of him for the most part of the game, yeah. and that's where the issue kind of issues kind of lie. Right, but but Semyon Varlamov was back in net. He looked strong. He was making the saves that he, he needed to when he could. Um and I and I'm thinking back to some of those goals against, and it's really hard to pinpoint one that was that was on him to make the save, and he didn't do it. So I, I think it was a good first start for him. It was an unfortunate result uh, for the players in front of him and, and for the way they the, the effort that they had. But um, a, a, you know, a, a good first start for for someone that hasn't played in a while. And the Islanders are going to need down the stretch both Sorokin and and right, it's if, they're, a game. if they're in playoff positioning mm-hmm. or battling for playoff spots. You know they're going to need both of them at their best. Yeah.
0: So back to backs tomorrow. Who starts? Who starts Monday?
1: I'd say Ilya Sorokin's back. Yeah. In yeah. Okay. Um. Even even though he, I mean he, he gave you know it was a four four goals against on on um Thursday against the New Jersey Devils, but it, it was hard to again put Ilya Sorokin at, at any fault similar to Tefarlem off the game before. Put any fault on on the goaltending in those in those losses because it just wasn't the case. Um. The Islanders, the guys in front of them, have not been playing up to snuff and it, again it goes back to some of the consistency or lack thereof that barry trotz has talked about a lot over the last two games in the last five or four or five periods at the islands have played of hockey mm. um you know the consistency just hasn't been there and that's a big problem right now where um you know it's forced barry trotz to have to adjust his lineups again he may we, you know you saw some changes in practice the other day with Matt, um, excuse me, with Josh Bailey being rotated down to the third line with Zach Parisi, who we talked about, and I said, I, I thought Parisi wasn't gonna I, going to be going up listen, there. What happened by last week? I remember. What, what's going on well, here? Listen, I, I didn't see it coming either, uh-huh. obviously. Um, but, so yeah. I, I was I was right, though, that he was a top-nine guy. No, yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. I mean, <laughs> we still haven't yet. To, we have yet to see that actually take place in-game action. It's being considered, though. It's being considered. You know what? It's on the table. It's on the table. On the I don't table. know if it's being considered or, okay. or how serious it is because we've right. seen it before, too, with Barry Trotz, right, where mm-hmm. lines in practice or even sure. um, skates beforehand seem to indicate one thing, and then Barry Trotz is like, yeah, we'll do this. Christian,
0: so. if Leo Komarov can get some reps on the Islanders' first line, Zach Parisi certainly can get some reps on the Islanders' first line.
1: Well, it, it's certainly, again, it's in the cards, and, it, and the way the Islanders have been playing just hasn't been up to snuff to force Barry Trotz's hand to try and get some guys going because that's been a, a big topic of conversation and, and a big part of kind of what he's been preaching over the last couple of days in practice and through the media. And that was, um, you know, that the team is just, they, they need to be better and that there, <laughs> there are guys that are just not that are just out there and they're just playing, um, but not to the level that they need to be. And um, you know, you look at some of the guys that have struggled the season, Josh Bailey, you know, as much as we, we give him credit for what he does do. Mm -hmm. Um, You look at the way he's, and I'm saying I'm a lot, sorry. You look at the way that he's played over the course of the season. And yes, he's created opportunities. And what was the Winnipeg game? Maybe Uh, that, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you, you
0: certainly are doing it. Yeah.
1: That he had, had a he he set up a one goal and then he, almost created another scoring chance behind the net. I forget if that was the Winnipeg game or maybe that was the Minnesota game. Mm -hmm. Um, But you look at Mm -hmm. his play overall, and it hasn't been up to snuff where where it needs to be. And to, to have him on the top line now at that point... It's a little tough to keep to to keep when the, when the top line's not producing. It's tough to keep them there. Zach Parise has had a lot more success creating scoring opportunities, mm-hmm. and he's been leading some offensive chances. And when you look at his his advanced statistics, they mm-hmm. they show a picture of a guy that's pressing and that really is creating scoring opportunities. He's one of the better more consistent players when it comes to creating those offensive opportunities on the team Mm -hmm. compared to a guy like Josh Bailey. Maybe that does jumpstart the first line of Anders Lee and of Matt Barzell to try and get them going. Uh, Maybe the movement of Josh Bailey down to the third line with Wallstrom and Pajot and uh, putting Bailey there gives those guys a little bit more of a playmaker to create more opportunities for one of the owners' only true snipers that they have on the team. The other question is, too, what do you do defensively? because defensively the Islanders have not been solid and consistent either and that's been mm. a big big point of contention since the start of the season we've been talking about it but really what the Islanders lost when they had to kind of cover, cover not cover up but make adjustments to adapt to the way that Zdeno Chara had been playing at the start of the season mm-hmm. by splitting up Ryan Pulock and Adam Pellick. they they lost you know their the top, top defensive pairing one of the top def- best Defensive pairings in the National Hockey League, right, there right? By having to split them up. Right. And you've kind of seen that play out the last couple of games as well. And I think that it's been a little bit of a struggle for them to adjust, everyone on the blue line to adjust right there with not having as consistent line uh, pairings, I guess you could say, or mm-hmm. um, consistent play from, from some of those guys. And that's hurt the Islanders as well. And, and you've seen it from the lack of scoring too from the, the blue line. Only one Islanders defenseman has a goal through the first 11, 10 games of the season. So. 11 games, 11 games of the season. So, yeah, Yeah. no, look, I mean, anytime you
0: try something different, there's usually going to be an adjustment period. And whether that's bringing in a guy like Zdeno Chara, whether that's no longer having Jordan Eberle and trying somebody else up there with Matt Barzell and Anders Lee, obviously Kyle Palmieri, he was, he he was putting up assists. He was playing fairly well, just doesn't have any goals on the board yet. But that plays into what you were talking about before, how the forwards aren't doing enough as far as getting goals on the board to, to support Ilya Sorokin and, support Semi Varlamov in a 4-0 shutout effort. Yeah. Where, yeah, these guys got to, you know, find that balanced scoring that, I mean, we've talked about on the show for forever and how usually when this team is going, that's what's happening. When you're getting goals from all different p- parts of the roster and it's still a little inconsistent right now. Yeah. Now... You know, again, it probably will balance itself out. It will. I'm, I'm fully confident that it will. They, and like I talked about earlier, getting off of this road trip and getting to a little more of a normal season, I'm sure we'll start seeing things. But but look, this is what coaches do when things aren't going exactly right. They start playing with the line combinations. They start trying to figure out what's, what's going to help out. Because obviously, if they won their last five games – the lines would be exactly the same, and Barry wouldn't be toying with any new combinations. But look, these guys got to get going. Josh Bailey, Kyle Palmieri, a couple other guys in the roster. They got to start putting up points. And and for all the good things that you said about Parise, it'd be nice to see him potting a goal or two, yeah. too. He hasn't gotten one yet, but but that's the thing. We talked about how this team is, is a scoring by committee thing, and you know, we also talked about hopefully Walsham is a guy who they can lean on a little bit more to kind of have goals come from, and, 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 and I imagine that will come with time as well, but... This whole start to the season here, as we approach 13, 15 games, right. it's been an adjustment. And it's on the players and it's on the coaching staff to find the answers to these questions and, and, and what's going to work as well as possible for this team so that they can start rattling
1: off those wins and bagging those points and what right now looks like a very competitive metropolitan division. Yeah, too. and And you look at one other area that we haven't talked about, and that's been the power play, which has been – Atrocious this season, and good. to the point where Barry Trotz, what was it that he, what was the phrase that he used after Thursday's game, uh, a, a killer, a murderer, something, uh, to describe the way the power play was in, in that particular game because it really mm. cost them. I mean, they give up a breakaway goal. I'm uh, excuse me, a shorthanded goal uh, when they're supposed to be on the power play that really started to turn the tide for the for the game, which the Islanders had started off pretty well and. One thing that hurt them a lot
0: didn't do last season at all was give up a shorthanded goal. And they've already given
1: up two so far this season. So the power play has been, has been rough somehow. It may have gotten worse. We, but that's the thing. (laughs) We continue to talk about the power play and what needs to happen or, you know, what hasn't been happening. And every year, you know, it seems like there's a general idea of, of why the power play isn't, isn't being effective, but, it never seems to ch- get better or change necessarily in the area of production. Like even last year, we were having these conversations where the Allen's weren't moving the puck, they weren't shooting, they were stagnant when it came to the uh, you know they struggled to cross into the blue into the offensive zone. The transition game wasn't great in, the, in that aspect of their game. So uh, it, it seems like you have these problems year after year, but not necessarily much changes year after year when it comes to its its. Productivity. I know. I mean, it was the running joke for a while. It was Scott Gomez's fault that that the Islanders' power yep. play yep. does wasn't doing well. And then even yep. after management change and coaching change, things haven't gotten much better. So, it, it it's it's a real interesting circumstance. It's been the biggest thorn in this
0: team's side for a long time, going back to even it predates Barry Trotz, but it has obviously been the weakest aspect of this team since. Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz have taken over. Now am I pointing the finger at them? No, but it as it turns out that since they've been here, the power play has probably been the thing that's needed the most improvement since they've taken over. The goaltending has been great, no matter who's been right between the pipes. The the goals against, you know, defensively has been great ever since they came over. Yeah. And as I just mentioned, the scoring, while not always top of the league, has been spread out and they always score enough to, to beat to win games because they're not giving up a lot of goals against the opposition. So they had that kind of under control too. But the power play, which does lead to more goals, just hasn't been there. And I don't know what this team and what this coaching staff has has got to do to improve it. They're trying. (laughs) They have practice every week. They're trying to figure it out, but but it hasn't happened yet. And, I mean, look, as a fan, all you can do is sit back and hope that it gets better. But, yeah, unfortunately, you know, here we are, year four of the buried shots rain and power play still an issue
1: yeah it, it not much has changed and it, it, it's it got it this is the year that again we've seen special teams be such a big factor when it comes to success or failure in the postseason especially when you get there so it, it, it's something that we've harped on for so long but it, you know it, it, it has to change at some point it has to it just can't continue like this and whether that's Changing up the personnel on the power play, mm-hmm. whether that's making personnel changes on the roster as a, as a whole. At what point do you take a look down at Bridgeport and go, you know, Goloshev has had a, a pretty great start to the to the Bridgeport the AHL season so far. I, I think he had like another another goal against uh, where the heck were they? they one of the, one of their games this weekend, and he's played pretty well. At what point? do they start to consider or or give a thought to calling up someone from Bridgeport when it comes defensively? At what point do you start to give a thought to, if you're not going to use Sebastian Ajo looking down at Bridgeport and saying, Robin Salo's down Mm -hmm. there. He's playing pretty well. Could that be at least a potential down the line? Maybe not now, maybe in December, January, where it's a similar circumstance to that, how Devontae's came into the, into the picture for the Islanders where he comes up and, you know, Never you enough. give him the first half of the season, maybe the first third of the AHL season to really develop his game and get his feet under him and then call him up, could be. But right now it doesn't seem like the Islanders have the luxury of waiting that long either. So things have to change power play-wise, consistency-wise, and just overall finding that. getting back to the way they played in Winnipeg, which was probably the closest we've seen them play, to last year's Islanders this season, right. so mm-hmm. that'll be a big, big, big thing. Uh, that was about eighty-five percent on the bar, eighty or eighty-five percent on the Barry Trots meter of. It, it was eighty-five. It was eighty-five. It was eighty-five. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, they need to B get plus. back to that. They do. Well, one other lineup change we'll
0: discuss before we move into our other segments is the Leo Komarov era is over. Leo has bid farewell. To the New York Islanders. Yeah. Apparently, this was his decision. He actually had a statement that came out, I believe, today. He put it on Instagram. On, on Instagram. The gram, if you will. And, yeah. So, I guess to to some fans' delight, Leo Komarov is no longer a member of the New York Islanders. Uh, I wish him well. I thought he was, you know, obviously a not top, not a top player on the team. But certainly an asset that Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz always, you know, said was important. Somebody who's who meant a lot to the team. And maybe it was a little more behind the scenes than on the ice,
1: but uh, Leo Kamarov. back to the KHL or off to the KHL. Yeah, Barry Trotz talked about it today. Matt Martin talked about it today. Actually, today being Sunday, about their role and their impact. And, and, and I know I tweeted out some of the quotes. There's parts of the quotes that, that Barry Trotz had mentioned about Leo Komarov. And of course, you got people that you know don't like Leo, and, and you know whatever. I, I understand that there's uh, he has become about as a, a much of a lightning rod as Josh Bailey has in, in certain res respects, especially yeah. having played top line mm-hmm. minutes and um, getting that opportunity last year with Anders Lee out. And, you know, for all the – I look, I understand that Leo Kamarov doesn't move the needle as far as excitement and, and what he does for the top line. And, yeah. and there's certainly definitely something to be said for him getting as much time up there as he did. But at the same time, for all the expertise that Barry Trotz has and all the success, success that he's had – to not to to kind of discount his evaluation of Leo Komarov and what he's brought to the team and what he's able to do, even if it's not necessarily jumping off the screen and and passing the, the eye test as everyone loves to talk about or, sure. or doesn't, isn't it sort of that, that darling of the advanced statistics portion of, of the hockey fan base. But there's something to be said for a guy that Barry Trotz really respected and liked that, that Lou um, Lamorello really respected and liked and, uh, you know, these guys are, I mean, I, Lou Lamorell is a guy that, that is old school and, and, and certain certain foundations of the way that he, he runs the team, but I, I wouldn't necessarily call him old school, 100% old school right. with the way he does things. And the same thing with Barry Trotz. There's certainly more of a hybrid approach to the way they run the team from a coaching perspective and a management perspective. And I, I think the kind of discount to their evaluation of Leo Komarov has always been a little bit head-scratching In that regards but Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's unfortunate that um you know his his offensive numbers weren't where they you would have hoped they would have been when he came here he was a he was a serviceable player in basically any role that you needed him to play whether it was that top line role that he played last season with Anders Lee and and Matt Barzal whether it was on the fourth line with Cal Clutterbuck or or Casey Zekas filling when Matt Martin was out or when another member was out down there so you know he he was able he was a guy that as we've talked about so many times before, the yeah. Islanders love their utility players that can that can slot into any position. Leo Camaroff fit that bill. And, right. uh, he was a guy that was loved, universally beloved by the guys in the locker room. So yep. it, the, people are sad to see him go inside the Islanders organization. But for Leo, it just seemed like that was the best case scenario for him. He, there, was, there wasn't there was a lot of playing time to be yeah. had, it seemed like, down in Bridgeport with sort of the minimum, uh, the maximum number of players I guess pro players that are allowed to mm-hmm. or veteran players thing is. is and, yeah, and who
0: knows how appealing that looked to him anyway, going down to Bridgeport and riding the bus and all that. So maybe this was just the best career move for him. Perhaps, yeah. you know, not only as far as, you know, what sort of league that he's in, but also, you know, financially, and whatnot. So right. I mean, a lot of things come into play there, but yeah, there you have it. And if you're looking at it from a fan's perspective and, and money wise, cap friendly wise, or salary cap wise, <laughs> Uh, friendly I mean, it, like, it's so intertwined now that I just refer to it as cap friendly.
2: But that's <laughs> another
0: one point one eight five million dollars that the Islanders get back under the cap. So if you're thinking down the line, if you're thinking deals, if you're thinking trade deadline, yet yeah. some more money for Lou Lamarillo to work with. Now that Lou Lamarillo's contract has been
1: terminated. And
0: is off the books You mean
1: Leo Kamarov's contract has Who been? Who did I say? You said Lou Lamorello's contract Has been terminated
0: Lou Lamorello's contract Is still intact As far as I know But Leo, Leo Kamarov's contract is, terminated. Is, is, Has been terminated Apologies You're saying um And I'm just calling people By the wrong name <laughs> Doing great here On Hockey Night New York So with that Christian What do you say We find out What's on tap Alright let's do it Love that And now It's time for What's on tap Brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. Yeah, sorry, Trotty A19, I, I, I fired Lou. I sent the, uh, <laughs> I sent the papers in, it's, it's over. So uh, it was that a good run. Authority, apparently. <laughs> All right, what's on tap, <laughs> Christian? We, we tease what's coming up a little bit in the week already, but why don't
1: you tell us, what is on tap? Brought to you by... R.J. Daniels, American Barn Grill. Islanders have a pair of back-to-back games to start off the week tomorrow on Monday, starting with the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Islanders' first trip to Tampa Bay since Game 7 mm-hmm. of the Stanley Cup semifinals when they lost. When they lost. When they lost. When they lost. Why you got to do that, man? Why you got to do that? Just because. That's not nice.
0: When they lost. Four to times. Tampa Bay <laughs> you just said it four times. Once would have been enough. Aren't you trying to endear yourself to the viewers and the listeners? Depends each week. Guys, go and heal, man.
1: No, no, but yeah, nice this Riptide it, shirt. It becomes a uh, it becomes a really important game for the Islanders. Obviously, after the the two game skid that they're currently on, trying to trying to turn things around, and, and certainly there's going to be some emotions remembering what happened last year to them in the playoffs last two years last two years mm-hmm. to them in the playoffs game six in the first year game seven in the second year so mm-hmm. it'll be a, a a big game not only from the sense of going back to a place where they suffered such a, a heartbreaking outcome mm-hmm. said it much nicer this time yeah thanks uh you know a much more heart you know, a heartbreaking outcome mm. but also a, a a venue that they they're playing a, a very good team, and even even though Tampa Bay has struggled a little bit this season. Yeah, they back can there. turn it on whenever they want. Exactly. So, uh, But it, it's an important game for the Owens, and then they go play the, the Florida Panthers, who have also been Another tough game. incredibly incredibly hot to start the season. They've gone through a lot between the, the off-the-ice stuff that had happened with um, Joe Quinville right. to the coaching right. change and um, kind of the, the fallout from that, not necessarily from a, from a, a big-picture perspective of, of sort of the – Issues that surrounded what happened with Joel Quinville and why he had to be let go, and the circumstances that were there. But from a from a hockey perspective and from a Panthers perspective, you know the change of of one head coach that really seemed to have endeared himself to the locker room to mm. uh, you know a, a newer coach, someone that doesn't have the experience that that Joel Quinville does, sure. and um, trying to find that level that they'd been playing with, and they've struggled the last couple games and. Going to New Jersey, I think they lost I think they lost against the New York Rangers and, and Boston if I'm not mistaken I'd have to go back and look. Mm-hmm. but they are a team that's still red hot. They have a lot of talented players on them and this, it's going to be a tough yeah. game. Uh, you know you saw how well they played in the, in the second game of the season against the Islanders down there in, in sunrise in what was a what was it like a four five2 loss or something like that. So Islanders have seen Florida they, they know how tough they can be already this season. So yeah. these are two really important games. And that's why when uh, I forget who it was in the chat asked about you know looking is it you know, are the guys look overlooking these games already eyeing that that Saturday game against the Calgary Flames no, I don't think so yeah, because I I, team, I you know. think they, they understand the importance of these next two games to kind of get the team back on track and get things back to where they should be this season. And then, of course, before our next show, the Islanders still have two more games after that. They will have a couple days in between before the next game, but they will face the Calgary Flames in the, season, uh, the home opener at UBS Arena. Interestingly enough, as someone pointed out in the chat, Islanders and Flames was actually the first game that occurred at Nassau Coliseum back in the 70s, but they were then the Atlanta Flames, if I'm not mistaken. The Atlanta Flames. So the Islanders open up UBS Arena, which we talked to talked about at length. Yes. On Saturday, and then they face John Tavares and the Toronto Maple Leafs on Sunday in the second of game of a back-to-back at home at UBS Arena. Yeah, that'll keep the building loud for two games in a row. Yeah, no,
0: for sure. <laughs> I mean, the games
1: that are on the schedule outside of Calgary are, are, are you know, are very appealing games. You got Calgary, obviously, which I think is actually a nice nod to the past, even if it was unintentional. When you, when you look back to, it. I can't imagine the NHL schedule makers were that creative when they were coming up with that that first matchup. at Well, UBS and the, Arena. the teams put in requests. I mean, you know, whether the on- right, but um, yeah. but also the league has thirty two schedules to manage, and mm-hmm. there's only so much they can do. So right, right. But outside of that Calgary game, you have Toronto, you have the New York Rangers, yep. you have the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mm-hmm. Those are three games that absolutely draw fans to the building but also yeah. a certain importance with the Islanders, two of those uh two of those three after that against divisional opponents. Right? Yeah, a lot on tap,
0: yeah. if you will. There is a lot. And on tap. and you know, it's it's tough enough to have two games against a team like Tampa and Florida in succession but to have them on back-to-back nights on the road is is even tougher so it's going to be it's going to be a tall order yeah. one that the Islanders are are capable of handling we'll see if they actually do but yeah that will ultimately tell us how this road trip ends up at 500 a little above or a little below they're <laughs> right there so folks aside from that also on tap we want to remind you that on Sunday November 28th We will be hosting another Islanders viewing party from the great R.J. Daniels in Rockville Center. Unfortunately, our pal Christian Arnold and and renowned Islander hater, (laughs) (laughs) current Islander hater, will not be with us because he will be covering the game at Madison Square Garden. But he will be calling in to myself and former Hockey Night New York co-host Tony Stabile. Tell her to go to R.J. Daniels. Yes, new commercial star, Hollywood Tony Stabile, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen, will be my co-host on Sunday, November 28th. Puck drop will be at 6 o'clock at the Garden. We're going to go live with a pregame show at 4 p.m.
1: Just tell her to go to R.J. Daniels. No, no, it's more. Just tell her to go to R.J. Daniels. That might have been better.
0: Not bad. It, it was better. Not mm-hmm. bad. Not bad. So, yes, Tony will be in the house. Yeah. Our pals at Drive for Five will be in the house. It's going to be a great time. We had a blast at our last viewing party against the National Predators, A little Halloween soiree, if you will. Mm-hmm. That was a good time. And, uh, look, pretty much every month we're going to have these, these viewing parties going, and it's going to be a great time. Come on down. Drink specials, food specials. We're actually going to have an optional $45 open bar and buffet for November 28th. Wow. Mixing it up a little bit. Yes, it's not required, but if you don't want to use the menu, the specials menu, and you kind of just want to throw 45 bucks at the bar, get yourself some drinks, get yourself some food, that's it, 45 bucks, and you're good to go. So that is... That was What's on Tap. Brought to you by R.J. Daniels, American Bar and Grill. That's right, folks. So, yeah, Christian, a lot of big games coming up for this team. Yeah. I mean, right, right after playing them on, what, the Wednesday at UBS Arena, they're in the Garden on the Sunday. Mm-hmm. A lot going on here in the country. That's the thing. Once this road trip is over... It is it's full steam ahead. Yeah,
1: well, that's what I was talking about before. You yeah. look at the schedule. There's there's not a lot of days off in between. There's not going to be a lot of practice time in between. And it'll be interesting to see if the momentum builds from all the games that are now being con- going to be played much more consistently or whether the lack of practice time could actually hinder the Islanders more so than the fact that they had so much to start the uh, this weird, wild stretch of about 13 games on the road and thousands of miles traveled. Indeed. So, Christian, what do you say
0: we take a little break? Yeah. And then we come back for the Hero of the Week. Yeah. We'll get the questions brewing. Mm -hmm. The train rolls on here at Hockey Night New York. Thank you so much for tuning in live at twitch.tv slash hockey night. And we will be right back.
2: You have a lot of choices when it comes to great beer. And Oyster Bay Brewing Company provides the best Long Island has to offer. Oyster Bay Brewing Company is dedicated to producing the highest quality beer while staying true to their nautical history on the Gold Coast of Long Island. They're the creators of the renowned Barn Rocker Session Ale, available at 12 locations in the Islanders' brand new home, UBS Arena. And because Oyster Bay has increased distribution across the country, you can grab your Barn Rocker from Carolina to California if you're following the team on the road. Here at home, the Tap Room on 36 Audrey Avenue is open 7 days a week indoor and outdoor seating so you can experience their smooth honey ale, savory IPA, or gluten free hard seltzers right in historic Oyster Bay. You can also shop online at oysterbaybrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or have your order shipped anywhere in New York. And if you use coupon code HNINY at checkout, you'll get 15% off. Oyster Bay Brewing Company, Long Island's Gold Coast Brewery.
0: Hey, Islander fans. You already know Blue Line Deli and Bagels is the best place to get your game day meal. And now you can get it at the game. Blue Line Deli and Bagels is proud to be featured in the brand new UBS Arena for all Islander games and live events as an official partner of the New York Islanders. Blue Line is also moving beyond Belmont, opening its doors at 217 Carlton Avenue in East Islip. So whether it's at the Islanders' new home, East Islip, or at the flagship deli at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington, All three locations are eager to greet you with their familiar, friendly service and the best food around. So stop on in for delicious Bagel Boss bagels, party breakfast favorites, tasty hockey-themed heroes, freshly made smoothies, and so much more. And remember, you can always check out the menu and order online at bluelinedeli.com. Blue Line Deli and Bagels. Our goal is to make you a hero. Ladies and gentlemen When you hear this song That means it's time For the Blue Line Deli and Bagels Hero of the Week Brought to you by The Half Price Hero Which this week is The Poke Check Featuring Cappy Ham Nope. featuring roast beef, turkey, half, <laughs> Swiss and American, lettuce and tomato, mayo on a hero. The Pope check get it for half price all week, starting tomorrow that is Monday through next Monday where we will announce a brand new half off hero. Stop in and mention Hockey Night in New York for half off the Pope check. So Christian, you know what? I'm going to switch things up here. Did you did
1: you have your another Ron Burgundy moment there? I did. I totally did. I didn't I didn't change the notes from the Godfather Cappy last week. Oh. Yeah, cap no,
0: there is not Cappy ham in this sandwich. <laughs> Stop changing my ingredients, Sean. Yeah, sorry
1: man. Like I said, Sean's firing general managers, changing ingredients, and telling gone. he doesn't own Changing
0: the menu. It's all happening here. Oh, keeping boy. it fresh, keeping it fun. <laughs> here on hockey night in New York. So Christian, yes. I am gonna start it off here with my hero. We usually go with you, but Look, there was one game this week, folks, and the Islanders lost.
1: Well, there was two since we started. There was since we did the last show. Was there? Yeah, because we remember we did the show before the Minnesota game. On oh,
0: that's right. That's uh, right. See, look, there look was I am two. just you know what, Chris? you want to just take over the rest? All right. Yeah.
1: So uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm the star of the show
0: anyway. Oh so. God Almighty! Yeah. So there was zero wins, folks. That's where I was going with that. The Islanders didn't really produce any heroes this past week, and. And last, last, last Sunday was so long ago that I almost forgot that it happened. But the bottom line is. Who's your
1: hero of the week? Exactly.
0: No wins. So it's one of those weeks where Christian and I had to get a little creative. And if you had been paying attention, Matt Barzell played his 300th game in the NHL on Thursday against mm-hmm. the Devils. So for that reason, Matt Barzell is my hero of the week. Take it away, Christian.
1: And my hero of the week is <laughs> another player who is is hitting a, a major milestone in the course of his career. Yet still, somehow, I think he's like six hundred and something games still short of, of Zdeno Chara on how many games played in uh, in the National Hockey League. And that would be Andy Green, who plays his one thousandth game tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Andy Green, who's gone, who, who's had a pretty miraculous career when you think about it, undrafted by. Uh, undrafted and then signed by Lou Lamorello yeah. and his career flourished under uh, during his time in the, with the New Jersey Devils and he comes to New York, has some success with the Islanders and helping stabilize the development of Noah Dobson and playing that third pairing defensive role and being that defensive leader with the veteran experience and all of that. So Andy Green is my hero of the week for his upcoming milestone, which will be his 1,000th game in the National Hockey
0: League. Yeah, unfortunately, we really couldn't pick our heroes based on what happened on the ice because the Islanders weren't very successful this week. Hopefully, this coming week will prove better and we will be able to offer some... Better heroes of the week. But everybody wins because, once again, you can get half off the poke check. Yeah, buddy. At Blue Line Deli and Bagels starting tomorrow. All you got to do is mention Hockey Night New York. Mm -hmm. And you get 50% off the poke check in in celebration of Andy Green as a defenseman who... (sighs) Poke checks
1: the puck sometimes. Nicely done. Thanks. Nicely yeah, no, done.
0: it's it's all up here. I mean, it's it's pretty amazing what goes on here. So
1: there you have it, folks. Oh, it is amazing. Uh, not for Hero any good reason. The Hero of the Week
0: presented by Blue Line, Deli, and Yeah, bagels. Actually, that, that would have been good, too.
1: The number of fans that showed up to New Jersey for that Islander-Devil game would have made yeah. more sense as the Hero of the Week. That is not a, bad. a good recommendation, Trotty A19. I like
0: the out-of-the-box thinking there.
1: And if we... Uh, and if we were a little more on top of it, we probably would have figured that out ourselves.
0: Right, right. Well, no, you know, we're just going to have That's to run Sean's, that by the Hero of the Week committee that we've, we've talked about before that
1: Christian's not invited to. Sean's uh, misnaming ingredients to sandwiches. I'm saying I'm um, a thousand times. He's firing general managers and so on and so we forth. We were
0: just so overwhelmed with John Ledecky being on the show today that we just lost our minds. And <laughs> we've just been having a rough go of it today. But everybody
1: understands. That has been a great show. Otherwise, <laughs> I think
0: it's been pretty good. I mean, you're here, so I mean, it's great the word we can really use. Wow, yeah. That's How's mean. that feel? That's a little mean. hurtful. Yeah, a little hurtful. A little hurtful. Well, that's what you get when you remind everybody four times what happened in the playoffs last year of the Islanders. So I feel like it's kind of deserved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Laugh it off, pal. Laugh it off. So should we go right into questions, Bruin? Yeah, we ready. We ready. Let's go to questions brewing ladies and gentlemen brought to you by oyster bay brewing company happy to have them sponsoring the show and the delicious pumpkin ale it is the season it is a great time for a pumpkin ale from oyster bay brewing company so christian let's get to the questions
1: all right first question to brewing. thomas panic jumping into the chat does, to, does name. barry trotz get an extension before the end of the regular season and if he does will we will we ever know Good follow-up question there. Yeah. Uh, he better.
0: He better. <laughs> I mean, I th- I think so. Look, if the man wants to stay, Lou Lamarillo is going to let the man stay. Now, it's going to come down to dollars and cents. It's going to come down to how long he wants to stay. But it seems to me that Barry Trotz is happy. And as long as he's still happy coaching in the NHL and he's not looking to move on in his life, retire, and do something else, then, yeah, I I don't think Lou Lamarillo is going to let Barry Trotz be a lame duck coach next season. So who knows? With that follow-up question, it might already be in the drawer. (laughs) The contract might be in the drawer already. They might have done a deal already. We don't know. Hopefully that news comes out soon. Look, I have been very upfront and vocal about my support of Barry Trotz being the head coach of this team. I hope he is until he is ready to hang up the proverbial whistle if you will, right. and he's done. And whether that's you know five years from now, ten years from now, whatever the case may be, as far as I'm concerned, he's the best coach in the NHL. He is coaching the New York Islanders, and may he do that for a very long time. So I hope he does. And if Lou, Lam- Lou Lamarillo intends on bringing it back and Barry Trotz wants to be back, I'm sure there's a contract number that they can come to. It seems to me that John Ledecky and ownership are very happy with the job that Barry Trotz has done here. And why wouldn't you want to keep that guy? So as long as he's happy here and wants to stay, yes, I do think we will see some sort of extension for Barry Trotz.
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, – I don't know if it necessarily be done by this regular season, but it's not something that he's going to go into next year with hanging over his head. And I think that's no the biggest – the biggest thing. He'll, he'll have a new contract because as, as Sean stated and I, and I, I tend to agree with it. Everyone seems to be happy with the way the team has gone from, from Lula Morello to happy Barry Trotts and uh, ownership. And everyone seems to be very kumbaya holding hands and, and happy with, with everything. So it, it'd be hard to see a, right now, a page or, 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 or a chapter in this, in their history right now, where Barry Trotz isn't coaching for the next couple of years or mm-hmm. until he, as Sean said, until he decides he's, he's done coaching and wants to retire. So right, right now, I think that, will it get done this regular season? No, I don't think it'll get done this regular season. I think it'll be something that's ultimately handled and or announced next off season before right. the start of that, that season. And then I guess that answers the second question, which is, yes, we will know. We won't know how long the contract is, but we will know. We might. We might. We knew and what the first
0: one was. I, they never was, they never
1: officially announced that it was that number well, it came
0: out it, it came we out knew it was 20 million dollars for four years five years sorry sorry yes yeah,
1: so it was formally million, formally million year at five years right but we only knew that because i believe it was i think it was arthur at the time that was able to to, to break that to through, that information <laughs> sources if i'm not if i'm remembering correctly but it wasn't yeah. something that was outwardly announced by mm-hmm. by the new york islanders when they when they Announced the signing of Barry Trotz. Yeah, and look, if if that contract
0: isn't announced this summer, I mean, that indicates to me that there is trouble in paradise because you just—I mean—that's just the thing you don't see. If there's a coach that you're happy with that you want to bring back, it's—it is very rare that they get to the last year of their current contract before they're extended.
1: Well, also too, after Barry Trotz went through what he went through in Washington, I don't think he's going to want it. Leave it up to that that point either. So that might be something. Even if if the Islanders aren't dictating it right away, he might be on the phone with his agent or or his representation saying, "Look, I don't want to go through what happened in Washington again, where you're going through the entire year basically." with this hanging over your head mm. that he wins a Stanley cup. And then that the whole, the whole drama right. that eventually led to him coming to the New York Islanders. But he does, I don't think he'd want to go through that again, especially with an organization and team, uh, at least surface level that he seems to really enjoy.
0: Right. He seems very happy coaching this team and he seems to wear the Islander logo with a lot of pride. Yeah. So as long as there's no sort of family situation or he's just, you know, had enough coaching or anything like that, I, I see no reason why he doesn't
1: extend. So thank you for the question. I think he sticks around. Question brewing from Mike four six five two co. Based on Trotta's comments and more of the and more line juggling, do you think Barry is coming to the realization that Bailey is not getting it done?
0: Overall, no. Maybe temporarily, sure. Because like we've talked about on the show, players are not always consistent. They have ups and downs. Does do I think that? Barry's if I'm if I'm interpreting the question properly do I think that Barry thinks that Bailey's lost a,
1: a gear I think that's no. kind of I mean maybe it's just the the general notion that there is this Bailey hate that we're coming across that question or we're reading into that question then mm-hmm. that particular particular light yeah but my response to that I think would be based on his comments he's not signifying one player that's not playing well. It's it's Mm. a bunch of players that are not Mm. playing well. And that's the overall tone and message I think from what he's been saying the last couple days. It hasn't been, you know especially the most telling one was the comment about, you know, him being in the locker room and saying, I can't sit here and say eighty percent of the of you guys are playing are going in the right direction. You know, I just can't right now. Right. And that to me signifies a much broader disappointment or a broader need for the islanders group as a whole to step up not just Josh Bailey who obviously gets a lot of flack um, not just Zach Preezy who hasn't put up goals yet not just Kyle Palmowry Palme- Palme- who hasn't scored yet you know there's um, a greater need from everybody to be pulling on the rope and rope and Barry tross has said multiple times he's not seeing everybody pulling on the rope yeah. as hard as they need to be and I don't right. think that's a that's a shot at Josh Bailey or a shot specifically at Col Mary Palme- 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 it's mm-hmm. a shot out of a number of players or a message to a number of players that their their, their effort and, and what they're doing is just not working right now and it needs to be better.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing too. Even if you move one guy specifically, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the guy that's the problem. Now, you can make an argument of whether or not Josh Bailey is a, currently a problem. As, as Christian pointed out earlier in the show, he's got to pick it up a little bit. So, But whether Barry Trotz is single, singling him out specifically here, not so sure about that. But as Christian said, it is an overall you know, correction that needs to be made where the team just needs to get going.
1: I want to combine these two next questions. T. Boyle thirteen asking question brewing. Do you see the Islanders going after a star player here with their newfound cap space? And Joey Pickles following up with a question of his own. Question brewing brought to by, brought to you by our friends over at Oyster Bay Brewing Company. Uh, I'm hearing rumors again with Tarasenko. Do you see this happening, or does Lou put chips in on getting defense only? And I kind of want to combine the two because they are somewhat related and we can kind of hit on both topics there with i think one kind of answer to me at least i still see defense as the major issue for the islanders and Mm -hmm. that's where their focus needs to be at because they're not going to survive the 82 game season with the way things are you can't have ryan pulak and adam pellick split up the way they've been these last couple games because even though we kind of endorsed the idea originally we're seeing the opposite end of of we're, we're seeing the we're seeing what's happened because of it the islanders aren't scoring as much um, you're seeing the defense not as strong at certain points as they have been you know in years past when you have kind of those concrete lines and much more um, lines built off of chemistry and again the, the problem stems from Zenano char still being in the lineup on a pretty consistent basis because he's he's Still struggle, even though his kind of his advanced numbers have seemed to indicate he's going in the right direction. You can still see him getting blown by pretty easily on a on a game to game basis. Mm-hmm. You're still seeing um, Noah Dobson, who, who was expected to take a much much bigger step and, to, and take a bigger role with the mm-hmm. Islanders. He's been struggling this season too with the way he's been playing, not only from the defensive side of the puck at times, but also to generate some of those offensive opportunities and, and be that that puck moving defenseman that the Islanders so desperately need right now. So I think. To answer the two questions combined, I think Tarasenko still is off the table. I don't think they're going back to that that whole drama right now mm-hmm. because I think the focus primarily is on finding a defenseman to help the team sort of get through the 82-game season and thrive in the playoffs. Yeah, without repeating a lot of what you said because you
0: said it succinctly. Is,
1: <laughs> is that, I know. I'm surprised I did too. Right,
0: right. So... <laughs> yeah the defense is the is the if there's going to be a move to be made it's it's going to be on defense as we've been talking about since the season started, as christians pointed out that's just the thing that needs to be i suppose solidified as much We're seeing the team missing a player like Devontae's and Nicoletti right now on that left side and 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 that's something they're probably going to have to remedy if they if they do want to fulfill those dreams of a, of taking the next step and making the Stanley Cup and winning a Stanley Cup.
1: Tro nineteen asking are they still building the hotel and retail stores near the arena?
0: yes. Yes. Yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> that is a matter of fact. Yes. And we have a question from Thomas Panic. Great name. Question, what do you think of the NHL's decision to bring in Calgary for the opener? feels like a missed opportunity to add some extra juice to
1: what will already be an exciting night. You mentioned that already, but we can touch a little more on that. Yeah. You know, again, I think because the NHL has about 32 teams that they're trying to take into account for, you know, it's it's a moment where... There's a couple factors that I think come into play. Obviously, for a momentous game like this, you're probably not going to want to have a close crosstown rival be the opening game, right? You don't want New York, the New York Islanders, and New York Rangers, to be the first game at UBS Arena because then you run the risk for the Islanders to be fifty-fifty with Ranger fans coming into the building or. That's basically it. Same thing with with other teams like that. Pittsburgh or or Philadelphia. Boston travels really well at times. I also think it goes beyond that in that, look, when they're scheduling
0: these games, I'm sure a lot of it has to do with maximizing gate. Yeah. Money at the gate. And
1: Calgary in in
0: not... Yeah. If you have a Calgary game on a Tuesday night in January... Mm -hmm. Now, granted, more people are going to come out to these games because of the new arena, shiny new toy and all that. Sure. But just generally speaking... You can, you can have the Islanders and Rangers play at 2 a.m. <laughs> on a weekday, and they'll still find a way to fill the building or at least close. Now, obviously, not I'm, I'm, going, I'm exaggerating quite a bit, but I'm making a point here, right? Is that that's the sort of game that's going to draw a lot of fans no matter what. You're going to get money at the gate. Now, you do that with the Calgary Flames, nobody's showing up. So as far as I look at it, they are maximizing that game against the Calgary Flames because anywhere else in the schedule, they're probably they may not sell out let's just pretend it's not the first season at UBS Arena and it's just any old season. That game probably isn't selling out. You're not drawing as many people, whatever the case may be. So I think that's a smart move on their part that they throw Calgary into the home opener because people are going to come no matter who they're playing for the first game at UBS Arena. So you could have thrown Calgary, you could have thrown Winnipeg in there, any Canadian team... And you're you're drawing all that money at the gate, so I think in, in in that respect, if they were
1: looking at it that way, it's a smart move. Also, they're playing; it makes sense too when when you're looking at the way the schedule is. Calgary goes, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Long Island, Boston. So it's a it's they're they're playing in the Northeast corridor anyway. Mm-hmm. And when I'm sure they're going through the schedule because they the. You know, every team plays one team home and one team on the road when it comes to the Eastern and Western Conference coming through. That makes a lot of sense to try and get all of those games out of the way when you have them playing in the area already. So right. that's absolutely part of it as well. Okay. You want me to throw the next one at you? Yes, hit
0: me with it. <laughs> Thomas Panic wants to know what are the chances that Mayfield gets tagged with a cross checking minor in Tampa? That's funny. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say chances are pretty decent, not for nothing. You got something else for me, Christian? I was just laughing at that,
1: uh, at that question. From, <laughs> I thought it was a funny one. Uh, Mike four six five two Co Bruin question Bruin to clarify my oh clarify my Bailey question. He wanted to, he wanted to kind of uh, clarify before. It's just that Bailey is the player he keeps moving around. Thanks, guys. Well, you know what. I, I think, too, because there is, to, to kind of expand on that, too, Mike, I think Bailey is the guy that they move around a lot because Bailey has shown that versatil- versatility. Again, we talk so much about it. The Islanders loving their, their guys that, that can play in different spots in the roster. Bailey, obviously, A, is, is a guy that, that needs to be jump-started a little bit this season because of, of obvious reasons, the lack of production, and you, you know all, all the different reasons that pointed, people have pointed out this so far this season. But two, again, I think he's just a guy that can kind of facilitate some offense as well, and he has those playmaking abilities. And where you've seen him placed is on lines that are expected to, I guess, contribute and create offensive opportunities of their own. So on my mind, it's not necessarily Barry Trot singling Bailey out because he's playing X, Y, and he's, play, he's played in, in such a manner, but because I think it's two in part to help jumpstart some of the other lines with someone that, he knows can facilitate some offensive opportunities and has a very sharp hockey IQ that that a lot of people talk about. So I think that plays a factor in, into it as well. And also, when you look at it, you're not taking Matthew Barzell and Anders Lee off the first line. So Kyle Palmieri was the only choice that you were going to have. Right. Uh, he's going to keep them paired together. Uh, right? Yeah. He's, he's only to move off that first line. Mm-hmm. And the way the third line with Oliver Wallstrom, uh, J.G. Pajot, and... Um, Paul Mary at the time, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, usually you know, that was that was a that was an opportunity to move move that around a little bit. And then oh no, no, I'm excuse, I'm I'm mixing everything up. I'm Parisi Pajot Wallstrom. Yes. Correct. That was the third line. Mm-hmm. You, at the time, they were playing really well, so why are you going to mess with that that chemistry that's already been there? And mm. then you had the top two lines that were struggling a little bit because the second line hadn't hit their groove yet. You hadn't had, you know, Brovember begin. You hadn't had Beauvilliers right. start to be a bit more consistent. So, right. And then you're not changing the fourth line. So right. it, the limitations, too, I think, Mike, play into it about, uh, you know, who can go where because of the success of the lines that they're at, at the moment. Like I said, Christian,
0: a lot of top nine players, uh, like I said last week, on this team.
1: Thomas Panic. (laughs) Question question brewing. Uh, Will I make it to the end of this segment without cracking a barn rocker? Answer: nope. The segment is a success. That's what it's all about.
0: Dude's cracking a barn rocker before the show's even over. Questions brewing, brought to you by OSB. There was one other one
1: I wanted to throw at you. There was,
0: yeah, is it the one I'm looking at right now, early in the game, Joey Pickles 30? Question brewing. When is UBS giving you guys a post-game podcast set? in the arena that's a great question christian what do you think
1: uh, yeah i mean we're we're big time we should we should <laughs> telephone lines are open yeah <laughs> uh
0: when when they're ready we're ready right that, to your ticket rep joey we we love that question yeah. and if the islanders are listening give us a call yeah we'll be we're, we'll we're be around ready. i'm ready for that set up shop in ubs yeah. sure
1: why not we're already there most of the time anyway gonna be there a lot well gonna i mean, be there a lot i mean for the podcast we're there they're everywhere at ubs every week
0: that's right. That's right. That's right. Well, I mean, questions brewing is over, right? That's yeah. the second. That's what he's talking about, folks. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're, here about we're here every we've week. We're here every. week. We've been here. It's true. We've we've been here since before, before the arena. Built. Yeah. Right. If you remember, we took a time machine, and you know, we ended Went up to the there. The future. Yeah. And so. and now it's now it's it's day. And apparently, we've been Ilya Sorokin is, is still hanging out with. We've us. We've been ice level the entire time. Yeah, it's cold down here, especially yeah. in the t-shirts, but we're okay. <laughs> so that was. Questions Brewing brought to you by Oyster Bay Brewing Company. Big thanks to them for sponsoring the show. Word, word, and of course, word, cotton the word. delicious pumpkin ale. Yeah. So with that, Christian, I think we can wrap it up. We went a little longer than I thought we would tonight, but yeah, you know what? You got the questions brewing. There's a lot to talk about with UBS opening. Generous Great spot nice. with John Ledecki, buddy. Once again, nice job. Thanks, co-host. Payne's- yeah. <laughs> yes yes way to go so folks i think that's gonna do it for tonight we really appreciate you joining us and yeah there's no more okay there's no
1: more questions so with that (laughs) cue the music questions bro was over anyway
0: it was right no more questions that's it so, folks, a huge thanks to John Ledecky for giving Christian Arnold some time on Thursday. Great interview there. Nice job. And, of course, a huge thanks to you guys for tuning in live at twitch.tv slash ny And, of course, later on, on your favorite podcast providers, a big thanks to RJ Daniels American Bar & Grill located at 279A Sunrise Highway in Rockville Center, the best place to catch the aisles when you can't make it to the game. And don't just go for the aisles. They have live music, comedy night, trivia and a late night bar scene they have it all big thanks to Blue Line Deli and Bagels located at 719 West Jericho Turnpike in Huntington an official partner of the New York Islanders and the greatest deli around check out the menu at bluelinedeli.com for their great selections and hockey themed heroes and of course a big thanks to Thai Technology a voiceover IP company providing phone services for businesses across the country check them out at thitechnology.com for all your telecom needs or give them a call at 516-856-7800 and get free months of service and a big thanks to Oyster Bay Brewing Company located at 36 Audrey Avenue in Oyster Bay you can order their great beers and merchandise at OysterBayBrewing.com for curbside pickup, local delivery, or shipping anywhere in New York and get 15% off with coupon code H-N-I-N-Y if you want to torture yourself and follow Christian on Twitter follow him at C underscore Arnold zero one Follow myself at Shawnee Hockey. Follow the show at Hockey Night NY on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, please rate, review, and subscribe at your favorite podcast providers. Tell your friends to give us a follow yes. here on Twitch, here on their favorite podcast providers for Christian Arnold. My name is Sean Cuthbert. We've been Hockey Night New York. Have yourselves a great night. We will see you next Monday with Arthur Staple.
1: Bye. Have a great night, folks. Bye. Bye. See you later.